0: Church is all about passionate people who build authentic relationships to reach limitless potential and serves Orange County, California. For more information, visit us online at the theocmovement.com. We hope you enjoy this message from you. We're so excited about this series, Shades of Grey. We're going to take clips from the movie and apply it to life. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. I didn't get as much of a laugh out of you. Uh, this has nothing to do with the movie. Please forgive me for sounding extremely sexy. I'm battling a nasty sinus infection. I've been on the couch for the last three days on antibiotics, and I feel like a mountain lion climb, climbed down my throat and is eating my esophagus right now, so it's exciting. But I'm just going to sound super sexy. Uh, we're going to talk to you, and I'm on NyQuil as well. And I wrote this sermon on NyQuil, so this may not make any sense. <laughs> so you'll have to... I also now have doTERRA oils coursing through my body. So I, I'm just like jacked up on the inside. So uh, hopefully this will make sense. If not, never come back. Anyways, we're, we're really excited about this series, Shades of Gray. Shades of Gray. Listen, when in the, the world that we live in, with right and wrong, black and white, and I'm not talking about racial issues here. I'm talking about the truth. We have to discover what do we do about the areas that are in the shades of gray, right? The things that we don't necessarily have concrete evidence for what the truth is, or do we actually have truth for us? In fact, the whole series is based upon John 8, 32. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall what? Set you free. The challenging process or the challenging part about the truth is the truth isn't always comfortable. The truth isn't always what we want to hear. And over the course of the next few weeks, we're going to talk about some topics that we face in life on a regular basis. We're going to talk about some points like gossip and cheating and stealing. We're going to talk about sexuality. We're going to talk about alcohol and all kinds of addiction issues. And we're going to talk about what the Word of God has to say about it. But today, today the title of this sermon is The Prologue. This is like that chapter before the book begins that you don't want to read because you feel like it's a waste of your time. But if you don't read it, then parts of the book won't make sense to you. Well, let's dive into this, the prologue, the beginning of this series, Shades of Grey. And before we could go into a series and talk about what the truth of God's word is for our life in every area of our life, we had to start with simply asking the question, do we actually need a standard? Do we need something that sets the standard of what is right and what is wrong? So we have to start with that question. Do we need a standard? You see, we live in a society today that is driven by moral relativism, or it's a moral relativistic society. I didn't make up that word. That's a worldview that so many people that that live in this world, including the people that are in this room, tend to use to make decisions. Let me tell you what moral relativism is, okay? Moral relativism states that ethical standards, morality, and positions of right and wrong are culturally based and therefore subject to a person's individual choice. Now, I think for most of us, we would agree on the big stuff. We could agree on what is right and what is wrong, maybe based upon the city, the state, the nation that you live in. But for most of us in this room, this actually has crept its way into our ideology, into how we face and answer complicated scenarios that we're up against. Just like the humorous video that we used in the beginning of this service, where we just went randomly into Laguna Beach to poll the audience and see how they would respond. And there's a stark contrast between what people believe is right and wrong and what they actually use to govern the decisions that they make. Again, for most of us, on the big stuff, I think we would probably agree. We would say that when it comes to murder, across the board, generally speaking, that that's wrong. Generally speaking, we would say across the board that rape is wrong. Generally speaking, across the board, all if I was to pull all of you in this room, you would say that genocide is wrong and not acceptable. Not only do you think those three before mentioned are wrong, But you would not partake in those. And that would be a good answer. You pass that test. Now, but that only applies to America. Because don't we see societies and cultures today in different countries who feel like genocide is not only acceptable, but it's part of their mandate as a living? Do you know that there's places in the Middle East that they have a red light district where you can go in because it's illegal to have sex with someone outside of marriage they actually have ministers there that will perform a marriage ceremony so that men can come in and sleep with prostitutes and then give them a divorce and let them leave. Yeah, that's today. There are places in our world today that if a woman is accused of adultery, they'll get an iron as hot as they possibly can and place it to her tongue. And if she screams, then she's guilty. And if she's silent, then she's innocent. I think all of us in this room would fail that test. So it's safe to say that not all of us in this world, and I would dare say even in this nation and state, are on the same page when it comes to even the big stuff. The challenge is, the challenge is, I believe we've been given a mandate to follow a standard. So the question is, do we even need a standard? What about when it comes to things like adultery, lying, cheating, and stealing? I think one simple answer, and this will be on the screen, and I think this is worth writing down. We need a standard that doesn't waver, that won't return void, and that, isn't the, that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You see, I believe if we don't have a standard in our life, we'll eventually end up wandering aimlessly. Do you know that centuries ago when sailors were navigating the open seas, they would use celestial navigation, and that sounds kind of weird today, but that simply means they would use objects in the sky, such as the sun, the moon, the stars, and even the horizon to determine where they were in the sea or the ocean they were sailing, and more importantly, the direction that they needed to go. Celestial navigation. It was, way that, it was the way that, that many sailors and discoverers crossed the great Atlantic and the great Pacific back in the earlier days trying to discover different portions of the world. The problem was with celestial navigation that if it was nighttime and they were in the midst of a great cloud cover and could not see the stars or the moon, then they couldn't determine not only where they were, but where they needed to go. And earlier on in this navigation, when when the greatest philosophers and the greatest scientists believed that the earth was flat, They didn't realize that the earth was rotating and orbiting as well. And so at different times of the year, the stars would end up in different places in the sky. The problem was when using celestial navigation early on in the years of sailing, there were too many times and all too often, the sailors were left to the discretion of the sea and the elements. Which meant if a storm came or a wind began to blow, that if they didn't know the direction they were supposed to be heading, it could mean disaster. It's kind of like Apple Maps. Can I get an amen? For those of you who have iPhones, you know what I'm talking about. For those of you who don't, we're praying for you. You type in the address to Siri and you put it on your Apple Map and you start driving and Siri starts giving you directions and you're on the highway. The 405 hangs somewhere arbitrary in L.A. and all of a sudden she tells you to exit the highway, do a U-turn, get out, fill your tire up, jump back on the street, do jumping jacks and get back on the exact same spot on the highway. Only now you've wasted 25 minutes and you want to throw your phone across the car. Can nobody identify? I feel like if we don't have a set standard in our life, then we're left to the torment of the seas. And the scary thing is so many of us are walking through life at the mercy of the sea. I think this is something worth writing down. It's on the screen. By the way, I do most of the notes. If there's misspelled words, it's because I have a degree in misspelling. If you notice it, it means you need to be on our tech team. So fix that today. Here's something for you to write. That was a horrible laugh. Can you not tell I'm trying here? So y'all give me some pity laughter. Clap like really loud at times. It doesn't even make sense. It'll make me feel like I'm making sense today. Oh, that's so good. Oh, I feel so encouraged. Here's something to write down. Having the right standard creates a fail-proof guidance system empowering me to avoid unnecessary storms and navigate through the ones that life throws at me. Think about how many storms in life that we face that are self-induced because we did not follow a standard. Think about how many decisions that you or I have made through the course of time that looking back in hindsight, we can clearly see and identify. I didn't have to make that choice but I chose to do what I wanted to instead of doing what was right. I wonder how many relationships were started. I wonder how many broken hearts have come about because of people doing what they want to do instead of living to the standard. The question is, do we need a standard? The alternative is a society where culture sets the standard, where right and wrong only exist as far as my situation dictates. This can also be called situational ethics. And this idea was started uh, when some philosophers got together shortly after World War II when presented with the case of a young Jewish girl who was in a Nazi concentration camp and she gained her freedom by sleeping with one of the guards. And the question arose, is it okay to do things that are wrong if it gets you the results that you need? And my fear is that for most of us in this room, and again, I'm not talking even about the big stuff now, For most of us, we allow a standard to be there when it's convenient. But we follow our own heart when it seems to be justifiable. Sure, there are some things that the law dictates, and it doesn't matter what we think or know, but there are some things, especially when it comes to human interaction, like morality and ethics. And, you know, what is the standard for how I'm supposed to treat my spouse? What is the standard for when is it okay to cheat? And, well, I would never tell someone to cheat On on a test in school, but at the same time, there are times when I don't claim things that I should with my taxes because the repercussions are a little bit too great for me. Sometimes I just pay a little under the table because I don't want any accountability for that cash. Man, it got real quiet for a moment. What is the standard? What is the standard for lying and gossip? Like the young lady or the, I can't remember if it was young or old, but our, our little white lies, okay. I just watched a movie about some Somalian refugees. I think that's the right country. The movie is called The Good Lie. And the whole movie is talking about when is it appropriate and okay to not tell the truth. What about when it comes to sexuality? And the relationships that I'm in, if I'm dating, does God's word have a standard for me in that? you I tracking today. What about when it comes to alcohol? Does God's word have a standard for alcohol and tobacco? What about recreational use of drugs? What about in the next few years when every state legalizes the recreational use of drugs? Does God's word have a standard for that? Do we need a standard? I think the simple answer is yes. The simple answer is yes, absolutely. This begs the next question, which I think is, is almost kind of assumed, but why is it wrong for me to set the standard? Why is it wrong for me to set the standard? Hey, listen, if you're new here, or if you're not sure where you stand in your faith and your walk with Jesus, you get a hall pass today and you get to just listen. But I'm talking to you, Christian. I'm not talking to the person who walked in, whose life is a wreck and hasn't found Jesus. I'm talking to those of you who sit in the seat today and you say, Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. The question is, why is it wrong for me to set the standard? Well, I think this is a great opportunity for us to review our poll survey statistics. Doesn't that sound exciting? Now, I'm hoping to use technology to my advantage If not, Vanna White is seated somewhere close and she, he is going to actually help me do this correctly. So I believe I got this right. So the first question is coming up right now. There it is. Come on. Look at that. Boom. The first question was, is it wrong to steal? I feel like we need to know this answer right now because you're sitting very close to some people who might have answered interestingly. Let's see what the answer is. We're going to pause and swipe. Good. 97% of you said yes. So that means that 3% of you probably have your hands in somebody's purse. So guys, right now, take your purses and put them next to you. Hide your kids and hide your wife. Chris, immediately find out who that person was. When the bucket passes by them later, somebody eyeball them. I give you permission to use your elbow. So this is a good answer. I'm proud of this church right now. 97% of you said, yes, it is wrong to steal. I feel vindicated in what God has called me to do as a preacher of the word of God. Let us progress to the second question, which I don't even remember what it was at this point. You're waiting, You're walking through Disneyland and you find $40 on the ground. Would you keep it? Would you keep it? The question is, you're walking through Disneyland you look down, you see two crisp $20 bills, maybe they kind of crinkled up and folded. Some tar, you know, from the, the footprints on there, maybe some gum. It's been there for a while. Would you keep it? Let's see what the responses of the people in this church are. Holy crap, our numbers are dropping. Our numbers are dropping, folks. <laughs> it's a scary church to be in. 80% of you said, yes, I'm proud of the 80% of you. The 20% of you, you know, I I, know I'm just, let me just tell you this. Some of you are thinking, well, I mean, technically, I don't even know if I have to make that voice. I sound like that right now. I feel like I sound like a chipmunk on helium today. Technically, I mean, how, how are we going to find out who's $40 this really is? I mean, right? It doesn't even make sense. And where am I going to turn this in? At the very front of the park. I'm all the way in the very back by Cars Land. I'm waiting for that dumb ride that takes four hours. And this is ridiculous. I mean, this is kind of foolish. And truthfully, maybe the Lord's blessing me. That's what it is. I put $2 in the container on Sunday, and the Lord has returned this tenfold. Hallelujah. My math may not be right, but stop judging me. 80% of you said yes. Let's go to the next question. If you found a way at work to skim a few extra bucks into your pocket with no chance of getting caught, would you do it? I think the key thing to emphasize is there no chance of getting caught. I'm interested to see what this statistic shows. Let's go ahead and pass on to the percentages. Okay, good. That's actually what I thought would happen. 20% of you, only 20% of you said yes. 80% of you are law-abiding citizens. and We're very grateful for you. Uh, well, I'm getting a text here. Uh, that the Part of that 20% was Jessica Parham. She said, yes, she works for me. Megan, would you make sure she's fired as soon as this service? I'm kidding. You know why I think this one is a lot lower? Because regardless of that last sentence, with without a chance of getting caught, most of you are thinking, no, the ramifications of this are, are far too great. I think, I, I mean, that's, an, uh, that's an assumption. But when we think about our job, we could get fired, but not only that, If I take $40 off the ground at Disneyland and somebody sees me and it's theirs, I'm not going to jail. But here the consequences are kind of grave. I actually could spend some time in prison. Now, that that may not have crossed your mind, but I I, I wonder. I wonder as I wonder. Let's go to the next question. Do y'all like this technology? You've hit difficult times, you've been evicted, you're past due on all your bills no money, no food, your kids haven't eaten all day, would you steal to feed them? How many of you are interested to see if there's a contrast between the previous question and this one? Let's just go ahead and see what the totals are. 53%. So half of you said you would steal to feed your kids, a little over half. And half of you said, no, it's still wrong. Even though you were the the just selfish mongrel who picked up $40 in Disneyland, you would not steal to feed your kids. Isn't it interesting? Now listen, those are live numbers. Those updated literally as you texted out. We didn't fudge those. We didn't make those up. Those literally came in and it calculated as I swiped my hand on it. Isn't it interesting what happens when we determine what the standard is? The scary thing is, when we determine what the standard is, it means that we're going to find justifiable ways to do what we want to do. Thanks, Megan. The question is, why is it wrong for me to set the standard? I think there's two reasons. I mean, there's multiple reasons why it's wrong. But number one, when I set the standard, it's easy to allow my thoughts, desires, and emotions to make the decisions. Listen to what James 1:13 through 15 says. This is the message translation. So this is Eugene Peterson took the scripture and then he he contextualized it kind of in a paraphrasing way that like somewhat makes sense sometimes in a different way for you and for me. And I like to read this paralleled with my Bible just to kind of hear it from a different perspective. This is what it says. Don't let anyone under pressure to give in to evil, say, God is trying to trip me up. See, a lot of times people will say, you know what? I think God just kind of put me in the scenario. And this is, the, right, the $40 in Disneyland, this is a blessing from God. We didn't have the money. We needed the money. Praise Jesus. We're good. And James here is saying, don't let anyone who's given, their, given into sin say, it was God who set me up to this. God is impervious to evil. And puts evil in no one's way. Listen to this. The temptation to give in to evil comes from us and only us. We have no one to blame but the leering, seducing flare up of our own lust. Listen to this. I love this word picture. Lust gets pregnant and has a baby. sin. Sin grows up to adulthood and becomes a real killer. What a powerful passage. You know, now now think back to the, the sailors with the celestial navigation, not having a firm fix on the right direction to go with my life, and I'm left to the whims of the sea. And if I set the standard, then that means. I'm going to have a really difficult time saying no to my flesh and saying yes to what God wants because inherently on the inside of who I am is a desire to do what I want. Since the fall of man, since Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit, immediately rebellion was placed in the heart of every man. Now look at me. You can't deny this. This is what happened. You can blame Adam and Eve. That means inherently inside of us, each of us have a desire to do what we want instead of what we should do. And that's an easy thing to see if you've had children or been around children. You don't have to teach them to do something wrong. You don't have to teach them to lie. You don't have to teach them to take their toys away from somebody else. Why? Because inherently on the inside is rebellion. And so if I set the standard, then... What I think may very well be what I speak. And how many of you can attest that in a marriage relationships, sometimes it's better to just shut your mouth than to speak what you think. Why did the women say amen? Because the men are thinking it's better to not speak at all sometimes. Baby, does this make me look fat? No, but your cankles do. And so I just want to avoid that I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) The men are laughing now. The women are upset. (laughs) If it's left to me to set the standard, then what I want will be the decision that I make. Maybe not every time, but it doesn't take every time to destroy your life. Because what do you do? I hope there are not very many young children in here. But what do you do if you're extremely horny and you haven't been intimate with your wife and that good-looking chick that works with you comes up and gives you a compliment? Where is your mind going to go? And if you don't know what the standard is and you set the standard, then what you want will be what you do. Are you tracking with me right now? Because it sure does hurt a lot to scream this loud. If I set the standard then how I feel will be how I react. Well, I don't feel like fighting for my marriage anymore. I don't feel like serving God anymore because my friends aren't, and they seem to be doing just fine, and they go out and party. And when I do that and I post on Instagram, I get a text message from somebody in the church because they think I can do better, live better, but I'm just done with it. If I do what I feel, then as a teenager, I'm going to do whatever I want in the moment. And how many of you know that's a bad decision? 97% of the time. If I do how I feel, then I'm not going to work this week. Because I just want to go to the beach. We just got back from vacation. I said, babe, let's sell everything and live on this beach. This is great. They bring you drinks and food and you just sit there. It's like the Corona commercial. Your feet in the sand and I don't drink Corona. Settle down. I can't do that. Who's going to pay for it? Knucklehead. Right? I don't know how many people I've talked to in their mid-30s who grew up around here and said their dream was to go and live in Hawaii, smoke weed and surf. Lasted between two to five years, and they're back, and they don't smoke weed anymore. Why? Because it didn't go anywhere. Y'all tracking? Some of you aren't laughing because that's you. <laughs> it's okay. God's redemptive plan is at work. When I set the standard, and what I think, and what I want, and how I feel will drive my decisions. Can I just pose one other thought? When I set the standard, it indicates I haven't truly surrendered to Christ yet. Now, we're not talking about the big stuff here, we're talking about shades of gray. This is the stuff in between the big stuff. This is the prologue. We're going to unpack different components of what the Word says, and some of this is going to sting through the course of the series because the truth sometimes hurts. But what does the truth do? It sets us free. When I set the standard, it communicates and indicates I haven't truly surrendered to Christ. What is, what does it mean to be a Christ follower? You cannot be a Christ follower simply by attending a great church. You cannot be a Christ follower simply through going through classes and getting christened as a young child. Now, I know that contradicts some of your theology, but you need to know what my Bible says. You cannot be a Christian by putting out good vibes, thinking good thoughts, and trying diligently to not do bad things. You can't be a Christian simply by being faithful to your husband or wife or not cheating on tests. The scripture says there is only one way to the Father. And that is through Jesus. You can't do enough work to become a Christian. You can't hide your past enough to become a Christian. You can't be perfect enough to become a Christ follower. It is simply one step of faith. Where I just say, Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are. And I give you my life. And guess what? When you're done with those words, you're still a little bit jacked up. That's okay. But that is saying, God, I surrender my life. You are in control. You set the standard. Listen to what this scripture says. When I think it's okay for me to set the standard, listen to what the scripture says. Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters for he either will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, we're not talking about only money here. This word money can literally be translated to the word mammon, which just means what I want. Yeah. Yeah. You can't serve two masters. You can't say, I surrender my life to you, Jesus. I give you all that I am, except for this one part. Because I want to do just this one thing. And I think it kind of makes sense. I'm not murdering. I'm not stealing. I'm honoring my father and mother. I'm being faithful to my spouse. But this one thing, I'm going to set the standard because I feel like it's justifiable in my life. Thank you for the 93%. But for the 3%, I got this. When we do that, when we do that, we're no longer saying, Christ, you are my master. You are in control. We're saying, I'm going to handle a portion of this. The challenge comes. The challenge comes when we contradict all of what the Scripture says or a portion of what the Scripture says. Because we cannot. Deny a portion of his standard, but then validate all of it. So I can't say, yes, I believe that Christ died for me. You know what? I believe he forgave me of my sin. I believe that Christ loves me unconditionally because the word says it. But you know what? I'm going to do what I want to do with this component. Because when we contradict his word, we no longer validate all of it. Are y'all tracking with me right now? I hope it makes sense. Now, some of you may be sinking deeper into your seat thinking, I'm a failure. Listen, that's not the point of today's message. In fact, the series following this one is called Shades of Grace. We're going to talk about the power of grace at work in our life. But hey, if we don't acknowledge what the standard is and what the truth is, we could be like a sailor trying to navigate by the stars that we can't even see. And we will slip into a storm that we could have avoided or we won't know how to navigate the ones that life throws at me. Are y'all tracking? I hope so. Do we need a standard? Yes. Why is it wrong for me to set the standard? Because my decisions are often driven by what I think, what I want, and how I feel. And because it indicates I haven't fully surrendered to Christ yet. Last question. I'm going to wrap up on time. Last week, Megan and I preached, and she preached for 35 minutes longer than she should have. And I didn't say very much at all. And It was like an old school Pentecostal service. We, went, we preached for a stinking hour. Jesus. It was all Megan. I just sat quietly. <laughs> Settled down. Y'all settle. Megan is awesome. You are not. What what should settle down? I'm going to have my ushers remove all of you right now. What should set the standard? What should set the standard? A standard is a standard for a reason because by definition, it sets the precedence. What should set the standard? By definition, it sets the precedence. Everything else is simply an opinion. And I believe the answer unequivocally is the Bible, the word of God. Now, look, you can go to the movement church and you don't have to agree with us. That's okay. But we're going to preach it like I'm telling you right now all the time. It's a weak hand clap for the word of God, but that's okay. We're going to, I believe unequivocally the answer is the Bible. Listen to. Let me just read some passages to you. In the last five minutes of this sermon. John 1. 1-3 says this. In the beginning was the word. And the word. Was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning. With God. All things. Notice that word all. It doesn't say some. It doesn't say all things. Except for the big bang. Can I just take a a break for a moment? I don't care if you believe in the Big Bang or not. What matters is who started the whole thing in the first place. I don't care how old you think the earth is or whether there were dinosaurs or not. My Bible says he was in the beginning. And all things were made through him. Listen to this. And without him was not anything made that was made. Everything was made through him. Nothing on this earth has ever been without him. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. In the beginning was the word. This is the standard. These are the word from the true and living God. This is the only book that when we read it, the author leans in and says, I wrote that for you. I believe the word has to set the standard. I believe that his word is relevant for today. I'm so tired of the word relevant. But it applies here. Listen to what Hebrews 4.12 says. For the word that God speaks is alive. And full of power. Making it active, operative, energizing and effective. Don't you just love the amplified version of the Bible sometimes? It is alive. Which means it's not some archaic, musty book that has some cute stories that may have some significance if I feel it applies in this moment. No, it is the active, true, and living word from God that is active and powerful for you today. So that means whatever situation you face, whatever catastrophe, whatever calamity, whatever celebration, whatever problem, whatever issue, the word of God has an answer for you today. Now, I'm not suggesting this merely as my opinion. I believe this from the very essence of who I am as a a being because this is my standard. Listen to what it says going on. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. Give me a little more of this because I can't hear anything because there's snot in my ears. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. Penetrating to the two... The dividing line of the breath of life, the soul, and the immortal, the spirit. What's that saying? That it has the ability to pierce our life and help us to determine if I'm being ruled by what I think, how I feel, and what I want. Or if I'm being ruled by what the spirit of the living God says. The Bible has the ability to penetrate and say, wait, wait, wait. Hold on a minute. No, I know you feel this way. I know you want this. I know you think this. But this is what the word of God says for you today. So that may seem right, but it's wrong. It may feel like it's shades of gray, but this is what the truth is. And believe me, you want this because this is the truth. And the truth shall what? That's what the word of God does. It's a sword that pierces. He says, no, wait, don't go with what you're thinking and feeling. It's going to take you off course. You're going to wander aimlessly and you're going to find yourself in the midst of a hurricane that will be disastrous. Sure, I'll help you through it. But the remnants of that, the shame that comes from that, the baggage that you will have from that is not necessary. Yes, I will not force your hand. Sure, you can do it, but just choose this. It may be boring at times. It may not be everything that you want. But if you just hold fast to this, I'm telling you, you'll get around that storm. And there will be some more that come your way. But I'll be with you. I'll help you know how to navigate. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. Penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life, the soul, and the immortal spirit. Listen to this. Exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging The very thoughts and the purpose of our heart. God sees and knows everything. He knows where we're at, what we're thinking. He knows what we want, how we feel, and what we think. He knows when we have those wicked thoughts. He knows when we're almost about to make the decision to go contrary to this. And He says, wait, wait, wait. I'm going to help you see it. I'm going to help you see it. I'm going to help you see it. Listen to this. His word is how you fight temptation. It's how you fight temptation. Matthew 4, 1 through 4. This is Jesus. He just got done fasting. He hasn't eaten. He's has not eaten. He's been in the wilderness. He hasn't eaten for almost, over three weeks. How many you know you're going to be weak in that moment? The Bible says the devil showed up to talk to him. Listen to this. Matthew 4, 1 through 4 says this. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Verse 2. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, this is a groundbreaking word, he was hungry. Verse 3. And the tempter came and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Now, Jesus is hungry. He is a man. I'm telling you, he wanted some bread. What he thinks, what he wants, and how he feels. The enemy comes to tempt him right in that moment, right in our weakest time. The enemy knows exactly what we're thinking and feeling too. He's going to tempt you with those things that you want. But listen to what Jesus said in response. Three words. He said, it is written. He combats the temptation of the enemy. He goes against everything that he desires, that he wants. And he says, wait. I'd like to, but let me tell you what the Word of God says about this scenario right here. The Word of God helps us resist temptation. And the Word is the sustenance that you need. Jesus said, it is written. And listen to what he goes on to speak. And this is a word for you today. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes. From the mouth of God. That's saying, if you want to make it in life, come on, let's clap for real. If you want to make it in life, if you want to know the things that are going to sustain you, you can do it by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So do we need a standard? Yes. Is it a disaster if I set the standard or if culture sets the standard? The answer is unequivocally yes. Maybe not every time, but you don't want to play those odds. So what does the standard need to be? I believe the answer to that is simple. It's the word of God. Over the course of the next few weeks, we're going to talk about what the Bible has to say about different topics. Look at me in the eyes that you are encountered with on a day-to-day basis. And the purpose of this series is not to throw judgment or condemnation. In fact, the purpose of this series is not to talk about anything that has happened in the past. And can I get an amen for that? You'll never hear us harp on or linger on the things and mistakes of our past. Because you need to know of everybody in this room, the most jacked up individuals standing right here. But we want to know the truth so that we can make the decisions we need to make. And live the life we're called to live starting tomorrow. Don't miss one of these series. If you miss it, get the podcast. There are going to be some things that are going to hurt a little bit. But look at me, I believe that if all of us in this room will just commit to letting the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do in our life, when we finish this series, it won't just be a set of four or five really fun Sundays. But I believe it'll be life transforming that's what Romans says be not conformed to the patterns of this world but be transformed by what the renewing of your mind come on don't you want to live the best life you can live don't you want to set a new standard for your family and your children let's be committed to following the truth of God's word amen Hey, just for a few more seconds, I want to talk to those of you who are here that may be wandering or questioning your faith. I just want to say, man, we're so glad that you're here. You don't have to wander any longer. You might say, but Pastor Kerry, I feel a gap. I hear what you're saying and it makes sense, but I feel a separation between God or you don't know my past. If you did, then everything you're saying is great for everybody else, but not for me. I'll tell you the truth is I don't know your past but I know what it feels like to experience that gap. The Bible's very clear. It says that all of us have sinned and there's a consequence and a payment for sin and you get that. But the Bible offers a radical solution that I'm afraid far too many Christians take for granted. Jesus came and he lived a sinless life and he paid The ransom and the penalty for your sin and for mine. Thank God. He died on the cross. He took the shame and the condemnation of the world on his shoulders. And he did it for you. To close that gap between you and God. Making it possible to make it through this life feeling fulfilled. And connected to true living God. And paving a way to an eternity in heaven. You don't have to be perfect. I've already talked about this. You don't have to fix your mistakes. You just simply have to say, Jesus, I give you my life. I'm going to pray a prayer in just a minute. We're not going to ask you to get out of your seat. I'm going to ask everyone to pray this out loud so you can pray right where you're at in your own seat. But if you're here and you've never made that declaration, today is the day. And everybody look at me. Some of you have been flirting with the disasters of life. And you've been living your life by what you think, what you want, and what you feel. And you haven't fully surrendered your life to Jesus. When we pray this prayer, if that's you, no shame, no condemnation. I want you to pray this prayer with me and make a recommitment of your faith to Jesus as we start this series off right. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. I want everyone to pray this, and repeat this after me out loud where everybody can hear it. And don't get all shy on me. Just say, dear God, come on, dear God, I know that you're real. I know that you've called me. That you've given me a standard to live by. But the truth is, I've got sin in my life. Thank you for sending Jesus. To pay the ransom for my sin. Would you forgive me? Now, everybody across this room, just state, make this statement from the bottom of your heart to say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. Find out more about us at theocmovie.com. Or we'd love to meet you in person on Sunday. Until next time, watch count